Well, good morning, MBM 1045. How are we going? Awesome. My name's Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. And welcome. If you're new or visiting with us, we love that you're here. Find us at the new hair flag. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. Well, I own a Jeep, and that says a lot about me, doesn't it? Um, but it's my fourth Jeep that I've owned. And back in 2010, I had a green Grand Cherokee. Um, and every day I would jump in that car first thing in the morning and I'd drive towards the city to my work and then I'd drive back home from the city. And that Jeep, it was a bit old and worn out, it had done over 300,000 Ks. Um, and when you'd hit a particular bump on the M4, right, you're driving 100 Ks an hour, you'd hit a particular bump and it would get what's called the death wobbles. And basically the steering wheel would be rocking back and forth and you'd just be thinking, is this the end? You'd be praying, Lord, have mercy on me. And the only way to stop the death wobbles was to slow down to 50 k's an hour. Why do I tell this story? Well, you know, a bit further west on that drive is the Nepean River. And every day, twice a day, I would drive on that bridge over the Nepean River. 7.30 in the morning, you know, bleary-eyed, coffee in hand, trying to stay awake, driving towards the city. 6 p.m. at night, finishing work, and then driving back west over that bridge back and forth, five, sometimes six, sometimes seven days a week, back and forth, back and forth over that bridge. Did you know that that bridge stands at over 30 metres tall? Do you know that bridge stands at a distance of over 150 metres and it supports the weight of hundreds and thousands of trucks and cars, 30-tonne trucks daily? Yet you drive back and forth over that highway bridge without even thinking taking it for granted that it gets you from one side of the Nepean River to the other. Because without that bridge, there's no way you're getting a car across. In the day-to-day of life, that bridge just becomes so, so normal. And you know, I've been a Christian for almost 16 years. You know, I've been here at church for six years. I love you. But I ask this question, and I'm so aware of my own life. I'm so aware of my own failings. But can't we so easily do this with Jesus? Either we don't consider him and we don't take him seriously, or as we go along in life, that view of Jesus, his greatness just becomes more and more normal. It becomes a distant memory. We give Jesus a part of our lives. We give him a section of our time, a section of our thoughts. We give him a section of our actions, a a section of our finances, but we don't give it all to Jesus And this passage here in Colossians, it reminds us of the greatness of Jesus. It takes us on that river circuit underneath the bridge, just like this picture. So we look up at the bridge and we see how great and how big it is. We see those pylons that have foundations that go so deep into the ground. We stand back at that bridge and we see how great it is. And this passage in Colossians is just like that photo. It helps us to step back to look up and to see the greatness of Jesus. And we're going to see three things about the greatness of Jesus. Number one, Jesus is great because he is God. Number two, Jesus is great because he is Lord over all. And number three, he is great because he is the head of the church. And my hope is that by the end of this morning, we'll be asking our question, how can we ever take him for granted? Let me pray. Father in heaven, you are a God who speaks And you've spoken through your word and by your son. And so we pray that you might still us this morning, that we might listen. And not only that, that we might understand more and more the greatness of Jesus. 
and that as we leave these back doors, that might completely transform the way that we live. Amen. Well, number one, Jesus is great, firstly, because he is God. Have a look again at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He writes, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. How can we know God? Who would you say God is? Well, people have been asking that question for thousands upon thousands of years. And Paul writes here in Colossians that it's through the Son, it's through Jesus that we can know God. And he says that the Son, who is the image of the invisible God, he came into this world 2,000 years ago to show us God and what he is like. And how can Jesus do that? Well, he himself is God. Did you see in in verse 15, it says the invisible God. The invisible God, well, he is now visible through the Son and through Jesus. And so let's stop and have a deeper think about that. Because we say that Jesus is fully God, yet we say that Jesus is also fully man. And so how does that work? Well, Jesus, he isn't a variation of God. Jesus, he's not a part of God who's come to earth. Jesus isn't another God. He isn't any lesser God than the Father and the Spirit. No, no, he is God made known and the whole message of the Bible is that there is one true and living God yet this one true and living God he is three persons father son and holy spirit and each one of those persons is as much God as the other persons Jesus is fully God but he's not the father he's not the holy spirit and as we think about this we get stuck don't we because our understanding is limited We're finite, whereas God is infinite and God is great. And to understand God, often we try to understand him from our own logic, our own experiences of life. But that, God is complex, right? But that doesn't mean that we don't try to understand him. It it doesn't mean that we can't understand him. Rather, we look to God and we let God tell us what he is like and who he is. And we get that from the Bible. That's why we're people of the book, the Bible. And there's one group of people who have worked really hard reading and digging in the scriptures to summarize what God is like. And it's the Westminster Catechism. And this is what they say. They say, in the Godhead, there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these three are one God, the same substance, equal in power and glory. And you know what's absolutely incredible? That that one true and living God In his love, in his kindness, he shows himself. He makes himself known through his son, Jesus. And we certainly don't deserve that, right? We've walked a complete other way. We've become free rangers walking away from God. But God has made himself known through his son, Jesus. And Jesus is all we need to know God. Have a look again in verses 19 and 20. Paul writes for, about Jesus, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Notice that language there of reconciliation, where peace has been made between us and God. Because we were walking away from God. We were rebels, not living for God. We were at odds with God. But God has given us his son, Jesus, to make peace with us. And that came at the cost of his one and only son on the cross who shed his blood. You see, Jesus, he is the only way to know God. 
And Jesus, he's the only way to have peace with God. Now back to the mighty Nepean River, Western Sydney's beach. You know you can swim in there, right? I swam in there a couple of times and come out covered in algae and green. But you know, over time, over history, there is a bunch of history about ways to cross over the Nepean River. And back in the 1800s, you can imagine they had boats and barges and people would get on the boats with their staff, with their horse and their carriage, and that would take them from one side of the river to the other side. But you know, every time a flood would come, those boats and barges would be washed away and destroyed. And so then in 1850, they come up with an idea that they were going to spend 6,000 pounds to build a bridge over that river. So they built that bridge. 1857, a flood comes along and completely destroys and completely wipes that bridge away. And so they think to themselves, we're going to spend 20,000 pounds on a bridge this time. And so they build an even bigger and even stronger and more impressive bridge. And then in 1860, along comes the flood and it completely washes that bridge away. But you know that current highway bridge? It has stood the test of time. It has carried the weight of hundreds and thousands of cars and 30 ton trucks safely across it. It has massive, eight massive concrete pylons with a firm foundation. And so when the flood has come down the mighty Nepean River, that bridge has stood stood firm. And so it is with Jesus. Jesus is the one who stands firm. Jesus is God's bridge to have peace and to know him. There's no other alternative. So would you come to Jesus today? And if you've come to Jesus, would you know that continuing in him is the greatest way to live and the greatest way to be saved? Because he stands the test of time. He stands the judgment that will come. And the great thing is you don't need to look anywhere else to know Jesus you look to Jesus. And the great thing is you don't need to search anywhere else in life to find peace. No, no, you find the greatest peace with God through his son Jesus as he offers it. And you know the great thing is, tomorrow morning, the day after, every morning, if you've come to him, you can know that amazing truth that you know the one true and living God. And you can't drive over that bridge without appreciating the greatness. And maybe you want to do something with that truth. Maybe this afternoon you want to pray that truth. Every day this week, pray that truth. Maybe you want to post it on Facebook or tell anyone. But just make sure whatever you do today that you stop and appreciate in the normal of life, the greatness of Jesus. He is God. What do I do? Well, I walk under that bridge and I gaze up and look upon the greatness of Jesus And I do that by coming back to this passage here in Colossians. Remind yourself of Jesus. Continue in him. He is great because firstly, he is God. And he is great secondly, because he is Lord over all. Have a look again at Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. This is what Paul writes about Jesus, the empire. He says, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. In other words, Jesus, he is in a class. He is in a league of his own. He is Lord over all. He is the great King of kings. Now, firstborn here doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It doesn't mean that Jesus has a beginning. No, Jesus, just like the Father and the Holy Spirit, he has always existed. There was never a time when he was not, and there'll never be a time when he is not. 
Jesus has always existed. And we're told here that he is the firstborn. He's the heir. He's the inheritor. He's been given the right to rule over all things as Lord and King. And you know, I love you. But we will not get this if our lives are not all about him. We will devote, if we don't get that Jesus is Lord over all, we will devote ourselves and we will value, we will spend our time on other things rather than on the greatest person, Jesus. And isn't the reality that we spend most of our time outside of these doors in the world, in the world where people spend millions and millions of dollars trying to get our attention, where this world tells us that it's all about comfort, it's all about what's here and now, it's all about holidays, whereas God is calling us back to the greatness of Jesus, to Jesus who deserves it all. And so as we gather each week, as we sing together, as we pray together, as we open our Bibles, God is redirecting He's reorientating us back towards the greatest person, back towards Jesus, who is Lord of all. Have a look at verse 16. Paul writes, For in him, in Jesus, all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things in creation were created through Jesus. You know, every leaf that is different, every fingerprint that is different from the deepest pit in the ocean to the tallest snow-covered mountain peak, from the ground beneath our feet to the furthest star in the universe, the material world all created by Jesus, the spiritual world all created by Jesus. He is Lord over it all. Don't miss that he is the greatest. And you know, there's so many loud voices in Australia there's so many loud voices in the media that it can feel like Jesus is losing. No way. Jesus is the Lord of all. He is King of kings. And you know that big question, what is your life for? What is life all about? Well, what's that saying that Twisties says? Life's pretty straight, it's pretty boring without Twisties. But no, no, no. The Bible says, verse 16, what's life all about? Well, all things have been created through him and for him. Don't miss that. For him, for Jesus. Everything exists for Jesus. You know, you exist for Jesus. This world exists for Jesus. And the Bible tells us that one day, every knee, willingly or not, will bow down and confess Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Will you willingly confess him as your Lord today? And until you do, you'll keep on searching, you'll keep on wrestling, you'll keep on itching, going from thing to thing in life, just trying to find something, when what you need is Jesus to be your saviour and Jesus to be your Lord. And so why not pray today? Why not pray this morning before leaving, Jesus, I am all yours, I am in because he is great. He is the one. He is the OG. He is in a class of his own. And I remember sitting in these seats last year hearing a Bible talk. And the main tagline of this Bible talk was, give it all up for Jesus and live for him alone. And you know, at 34 years of old, I'm sitting there thinking, does this guy know the price of the housing market? Does this guy know the pressures of family and the busyness of life? 
And then I compare that to when I was 19 years old and God first opened my heart to understand grace and just how sweet that grace was, how great it was, how I just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. I couldn't stop praising him and being so thankful for everything that he'd done. Think of that hymn, Amazing Grace. It says how, what is it again? <laughs> it says, how precious did that grace appear the hour that I first believed. You see, Jesus, he is the greatest. He is worth giving absolutely everything up for. And is there anyone else that's like me where it's this continual wrestle in life, right? You know, my sinfulness and my desires, my wants want to put me or something else as Lord and King. But isn't that the prayer that we need to pray every day? Jesus, you are great and I want you to be my Lord, my King. I want you to be number one. And that's one of the reasons why I just love spending time with newer Christians. Because newer Christians, they just, uh, you know, they just exuberate the greatness of God. What does Jesus himself say? He said, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross. And you know, Jesus, he's not talking about a pillow that's in the shape of a cross. He's not talking about a comfortable life. He's talking about a wooden rugged Roman cross, one of sacrifice, one that leads down to the path of death and giving it all up, but knowing that he is great and knowing that he is worth it all. And you might be sitting there and that's been your life where you've just given up everything for Jesus. And you know, Jesus will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. But as the firstborn, Jesus has the right to every part of our lives. And so that's the question to ask. What are the parts of my life that I'm still holding on to that I'm not giving over to Jesus? And you know how you can know if you're taking Jesus for granted? You know how you can know if you're seeing him as ordinary? Well, there's parts of your life that you're not handing over to him. And as I say that, I'm so aware of my own life. And I'm so aware that as I'm handing things over to Jesus, I'm still holding on to the threads, right? I don't want to give them fully to Jesus. Anyone else like that? Amen, right? But Jesus is the firstborn. He deserves everything. And not just over creation, but as verse 18 says, he's the firstborn from among the dead. 2,000 years ago, he died on that cross. They laid him in the tomb. The stone was rolled away and Jesus, he walked out alive and well, defeating death, defeating sin and defeating Satan, never ever to die again. He is the firstborn from among the dead so that he might have the supremacy in everything. He is great and everything else that we live for will come to an end, but living for Jesus will last well into eternity where he is Lord and King of heaven. Jesus is great firstly because he is God and secondly because he is Lord of all and thirdly because he is the head of the church. Have a look at the end part of verse 18. Paul writes, he is the head of the body, the church. And you know one of the things I love about our church here at MBM is that there's so many different languages, so many different cultures, people from so many different backgrounds. And this, this is Jesus' church. And all churches across the globe are Jesus' church. He is the head of the body. He is the lead, lead, lead pastor over all. As Peter says, he is the chief shepherd. And you know, all of us, as we gather here every Sunday, you know, all of us are broken. You know, none of us are perfect. 
all of us have a past, all of us have a history, all of us has skeletons in the closet. And so if you've walked in here today and you've got a past and you're in good company, we love that you're here, welcome. But you know what we are trying to do? In our imperfection, we're trying to point people towards the perfect Lord and King, head of the body towards Jesus, who is the greatest. And it's the reason why we say it belonging. Make sure you come on Saturday. It's the reason why we say it belonging. It's not about you. You matter to God, you betcha. But it's not all about you. It's all about God. And in our vision statement as a church, we've got Jesus front and center. What's our vision statement? We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus, through Jesus to the glory of God. And we pray that every week as people head through those back doors, that they know the greatness more and more of Jesus, who is Lord over all, who is the head of the body. I remember I invited a guy a number of years ago from work, from the bike shop to come along to church. And I just love what he said about church. You know, he, he rides up on his Harley, gets off, helmet under his arm, tattoos down, you know, tattoos down his arm, the jacket on, he walks and he sat in that back corner, back corner there, he puts his helmet on the seat next to him, watched through the service, I chatted to him after. I said, what did, you th- what did you think? And he said, the message was so clear. It's all about Jesus. And so that's why everything that we do is about Jesus, because he is great. And that's what we want every Sunday for people to know, go out knowing the greatness of him. We want every ministry. You know, there's a 150, 160 kids who sit through kids' church every Sunday hearing about the greatness of Jesus. And that's what we want for every ministry, for those lunchtime groups in school to be all about Jesus. And you know, in March, we're coming into a new season. We've been so blessed as a church for 32 years to have the same lead pastor. But we're coming into a new season, a season we've never, ever been in before, where we've got a new lead pastor starting. And you know, things are going to be different. You know, he's going to make decisions that we don't all agree with. You know, he's not perfect like each one of us. But what do I know about Malcolm Gill? He absolutely loves Jesus and he is a servant who is faithful to Jesus and he gets that Jesus is the head of the church and he wants us to get that as well. And you know what? That's all that matters, that he keeps pointing us back towards Jesus because he is the head of the church. And that's why he is the one that we listen to as he speaks to us through his word. We have that saying that we refuse to believe the lie that we're wiser than God. Rather, we listen as God speaks to us through his son, Jesus, in the Bible, the whole counsel of God. And so in the busyness, in the normal of life, would you stop? Would you pause? And would you listen to him speak through his word? And have a look at what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3. He says, therefore, and this really sets the tone that as we walk through those doors into church of how we live He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And as I read this passage, I've got to remind myself, because sometimes walking in on Sundays, It feels pretty ordinary, right? Some Sundays I don't want to be here. And you know, I love this. uh, You know, I love you. But this passage is striking because this is Jesus' body. And if you take Jesus for granted, then you will take his body, his church for granted. 
And if you see church, the body, as ordinary, then you see Jesus as unimportant and ordinary. No, no, this is his body that he shed his blood on the cross to save and to gather together. And so what a privilege. What a privilege every Sunday to gather together, to pray, to praise him, to reorientate, to remind each other and to say to one another, following Jesus is the best thing you can ever do in life. And that is what really matters. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to praise Jesus in a moment. But MBM, Jesus is great. Jesus is God. He is Lord over all. He is the head of the body. And so in the normal, in the busyness of life, don't forget to pause and gaze upon and look upon the beauty of Jesus. Don't forget to pause and to hear him speak daily, knowing of his greatness. And as the band come up, I'm going to invite all of you to jump up, stand up, and we're going to praise Jesus. And as you stand up, I just want to remind us that in the normal of life, Jesus, jump up, don't be shy. But in the normal of life, Jesus is great. And you know, we've had the privilege over the last 32 years of seeing Jesus transform lives. You know, we've seen Jesus break the chains of addiction and sin. Jesus reconcile and bring back relationships. You know, we've seen Jesus transform our lives so that we know and love Him and love each other more and more. You know, over eight years, we've seen almost 800 people come to faith in Jesus. We've seen children and youth come to know Him and go from death to life. This is a miracle of Jesus. And so would you stop? Would you consider your journey across that bridge? And would you appreciate the greatness of Jesus? Because He is the image of the invisible God. He is the Lord over all and in Him all things hold together. Church, who died to bring us to God? Jesus did. Church, who defeated death, rose again, defeating sin and Satan and death? Jesus did. And can Jesus continue to transform lives in the western suburbs of Sydney? Of course He can. He is great. Let us praise Him.